A rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bills, but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. You know, the man just up my rent last night because Whitey's on the moon. No hot water, no toilets, no lights, but Whitey's on the moon. I wonder why he's up in me, because Whitey's on the moon. Well, I was already giving him 50 a week, and now Whitey's on the moon. Taxes taking my whole damn check. The junkies make me a nervous wreck. The price of food is going up. And as if all that crap wasn't enough, a rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell, and Whitey's on the moon. Was all that money I made last year for Whitey on the moon? How come I ain't got no money here? Hmm, Whitey's on the moon. You know, I just about had my fill of Whitey on the moon. I think I'll send these doctor bills, air mail special. To Whitey on the moon. Rojo XRT, that was Gil Scott Heron with Whitey on the Moon from his debut track, Small Talk on 125th and Linux. I am your host, Jonathan Crimson. Other notable tracks on that 125th and Linux album were a rough version of The Revolution Will Not Be Televised with his partner Brian Jackson, who he would go on to create most of his catalog. Um, really interesting stuff there. Um, as we go forward in this hour, we also have a, an extended set of Culture Club and Wham! as we celebrate Pride Week here in Chicago. Rojo XRT. Um, coming up next, we'll have another episode of the Rojo Show. I believe this is episode four. And um, look who it is here walking into the studio, Mr. Rojo. Well, stop. <laughs> What's up? This is the Rojo Show, episode four. Episode four of the Rojo Show on Saturday, June 20th. I'm recording this at 2.30. I'm getting a little bit of a late start. Um, we had breakfast at my uh, at my mom's house today for my dad's birthday and for Father's Day. Um, his birthday is tomorrow, which is also Father's Day. So we have breakfast today and then tomorrow we'll have lunch. Um, letting you know ahead of time, uh, I'm not drunk, but I have been drinking. Um, we had screwdrivers this morning. Screwdrivers, for you who don't know, is, um, well, we had, we had pineapple orange juice, but it's, it's orange juice and vodka. Had some kettle one. And then um, I told Bradley, make me a drink before I left. And then I left. And then I got here and watched some stuff on the, on, on TV and looked over some notes. And here I am. Started off a little, uh, a little revolutionary today, a little deep. Um, it's going to be a kind of deep podcast today A little bit um, I mean we're going to definitely get into some funny shit too But Just right off the bat I want to address some things I am drinking something now too For those of you that want to know <clears throat> I had somebody ask 
Um, I last podcast I was drinking water. I'm drinking some water this time too. I'm also drinking some Tangeray, little Tangeray and lime. Straight like that. Um, I usually don't drink light liquor, but my mom's got me drinking light liquor right now. Uh, not like, not like as a chore, but uh, that's what she's got a lot of right now. She always keeps a stock bar. My mom is um, my mom's a party girl, or she was a party girl, is a party girl. Um, <laughs> we we me and my sister we learn about it like in these like real like short like short clips. Like it's like uh, she does it on accident, and doesn't know it. Like she momentarily goes back in time and forgets she's talking to her kids. Like um, <clears throat> I remember when I was younger, uh, cause my dad smoked cigarettes, so I asked my mom if she ever smoked cigarettes, and then she like looked off into this air and like you know, her hand took this real graceful pose as if she was holding one, and she said, "Well, you know, I don't think it's anything wrong for a classy lady to have a cigarette while she's." Entertaining a man at the bar and having a drink And I was like whoa <laughs> Like who did you just How did you just transform into Dorothy Dandridge On like some wild shit Like <laughs> Like uh like, like like a scene in Carmen or some shit It's crazy So she's got This big bottle of Tangeray right now So I'm drinking gin Uh note I, I guess this is considered gin and juice This isn't like when when people really drink gin and juice, this isn't what they're drinking. They're not drinking gin and lime juice. They're drinking like number one, they probably drinking some bumpy face, which is Seagram's, um, and they probably drinking it with like some weird colored flavored. Usually, it's like those Mister Pure juices, like those big Mister Pure that like pour some out and then you know pour a whole bunch of the bumpy in. Um. I was never really a gin drinker, even when like I was drinking like like trad like crap, you know, like 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 when you turn twenty one, you all we I well most of us I had me and Bryant. <laughs> this is what it really boiled down to. Me and Bryant turned twenty one, and he was drinking Dimitri vodka, and we would like get we would get Arizona iced teas, and like we'd pour half of them out or drink them down, and then we'd like pour the Dimitri in there. Um, it was a, it was a turning point for us. Cause up until that point, like we had been real strict on liquor. Like we wasn't really messing with liquor. Like we was, you know, <clears throat> not eating pork, doing daily mathematics, playing capoeira, you know, and, uh, and liquor was poison. But <laughs> once we turned 21, it was like, well, we need that poison in us, right? <laughs> that poison bring that nigga out, right? Sometimes we got to bring that nigga out. So that was like the first like crazy shit we drank, but we never really did gin and juice. Never did the gin and juice. But now I guess like I know Wiz drinks like Bombay, and not that I've drank it with the motherfucker, but I he raps about drinking Bombay. But that's it. I don't really gin isn't really my thing. I really like dark liquor. I went to this open mic last night, and they did they had like six dollar uh, Jameson and ginger beers. I had two of those. That was lovely. But <clears throat> so yeah, mom had a stock bar. We had breakfast this morning: salmon croquettes, uh, hash browns, biscuits, uh, eggs, Bradley made eggs three different ways. It was awesome. Um, just awesome to see my sister in the kitchen. You know, a little domestication. I mean, you know, you know, you know, 
If you don't claim to be having a boyfriend and be serious about some dude, then you know, you need to be serious about that work. Need to be serious about that work. But so yeah, it was a good breakfast, and we'll be back over there for lunch. <clears throat> but all of that is why I am not getting to the podcast until what time is it? Two thirty-four. So this is how we're gonna do this. Two thirty-five right now. After the little introduction, I give you a probably like try to give you like an hour of solid content, get it up on the board, and um, see what you have to say. Okay, so fresh out the gate, I just want to get this South Carolina, uh, this Charleston shooting thing out of the way. Just want to get it out of the way. Okay, um, let's not let them get off saying this is a mental health issue. Okay, we know. That there have been and and listen, even if it is a mental health issue, there has to be something like I know a lot of I know a lot I've been in contact or been around lots of people that were mentally unstable that had mental conditions, um, whatever. To be to to have a even even to have that, to still have it be racially specific. In this case, is is still a show of racism. It's still a show of something that's been like bred and and grown inside of them. Am I wrong? I don't think I'm wrong. Like even if okay, so even if you, even if you're even even if you're mentally unstable, even even if you're retarded, what does that? You're retarded to everybody, right? Like that that shouldn't have. You're you're still a system of what's around you in terms of who and what you deal with and interact with. Like I mean, retarded people, people with Down syndrome, people with whatever kind of uh, severe autism, like they still they react to for the most part for the ones I've been in contact with, they react to very sharp, specific emotions, you know, from from anybody. And it's generally not racially specific unless that's something else that they've been raised with. Like if they don't like to be touched, they don't like to be touched by anybody. It doesn't matter what color you are unless they've been taught to make some kind of distinction. And then there's an issue. But otherwise, they they don't like people. You don't like people. They don't like anybody. Um. But apparently, like, again, we see this trend of, like, these guys that have these multiple accounts or they have friends or people around them that would have suspected this kind of shit. And, you know, Fox News, they picked the one person and all these headlines. I saw I can't remember the news source, so I really feel bad about quoting it. But, you know, somebody had the quote of, you know, he was always a shy and nice boy. <clears throat> That's one guy because I'm getting a lot of reports of people saying that they kind of expected this from him. They knew he was kind of weird. They had heard him make comments about black people before he had notes supposedly in his room about wanting to start a race war. He told the officers he wanted to start a race war. Like even with all of this information, there's still this attempt to make it something else. And that's why I wanted to start with Whitey on the moon. Okay. Cause Whitey on the moon, Whitey is not just white people. Okay. Whitey is on the moon, but it's a lot of stupid niggas on the moon too. Okay. 
being on the moon is is a state of mind that is not present in what is important to the people and more importantly what should be important to you it's like what's right in front of your face whitey on the moon is basketball wives if you you're on the moon you're watching basketball wives you're on the moon and and I don't want to I don't even want to be that specific with it because there's a lot of times when um you could be I mean on the moon is is anything on the moon is anything that's got you not focused from what's presently going on and affecting you and the people directly around you and if everybody just focused on the on that and on themselves and the people directly around them then eventually those those arms will spread out and everybody will kind of be covering each other. But there's a lot of these motherfuckers out here that's on the moon and we can't get them we can't get them to tune in. They don't see how important it is. Fox News is on the moon. Every time they try to take this and spin it into a gun a gun control issue, anytime they try to spin it into a mental health issue, they're on the moon because this is black and white, plain and simple. I, I really, I really, I really wish sometimes that we weren't so inviting because that is, this wouldn't happen in other situations because they wouldn't have let an outsider in there. They wouldn't have let someone that was foreign to them that Obviously looks weird because if you look at this guy long enough, you see there's something wrong with him. And the and thinking about it, the tragedy in that is that probably prompted these people to accept him faster or to want to help him more because he looked like he needed help. If you look at any picture of this guy looks like he needs help, looks like he's disturbed. This guy had multiple arrest warrants. He was banned from malls. He was known to use drugs. He was charged with trespassing in April. Like this guy was a known troublemaker, a known nuisance, a known person of, of, of suspicion. And it was written all over his face. Like I said, any picture of this guy, he looks weird. And he walked into this church and apparently he was in there for about an hour. And then he got to talking some shit about us raping a women and taking over the country. And then he took nine lives, nine lives, uh, a track coach, a Senator who was working hard with Hillary Clinton to raise the minimum wage, um, pardon me for not knowing other stories uh, of the people that were in there. There was only nine, so it's not like I couldn't have looked these people up. Um, but again, this is um, if if this is if this is spun any other way than white people again in history again in our history being aggressive towards black people being violent towards black people then they're they're not telling the truth they're not giving you a real story
And, you know, I know there's uh, there are talks of him being, you know, pushed to do this by some bigger organization. That's a bigger issue. That doesn't change anything. That just means that there's there's a way there's there's way more racism than we're even aware of. There's way more racism than we're even aware of. And and listen. Give me I, I challenge anybody to give me an example of black people being violent towards white people for no reason. Killing them for no reason. I mean, I I guess the DC sniper, but he was Muslim, wasn't he? I think he was Muslim. He might have some other shit going on. But like on this scale, like just walking into a room of white people and just killing them because they're white. You guys enslaved us for 500 years and the ripples of that are still present to this day. Die. Crack, crack, crack. When has that happened? I, I don't know. But uh, churches in the South have been bombed for years. This church in particular has been attacked numerous times. I mean, I, I'm just... I don't know. I would, I, I, I would, I challenge, I, and I'm, I, I could be wrong. I could be talking out of my ass. It could be, I could be able to Google that, you know, uh, black people attack white people on war for no reason. I, maybe I could Google that and get a bunch of reports on it. I never have. If you can and send them to me, then send them to me. But I don't, I mean, even, and I know this is a horrible example, but if you've ever seen the movie Borat, so Borat goes into two heavily segregated situations. He somehow finds his way on a uh, a bus like a uh like a RV with some white guys from the south and I think they're going to a football game or they they were from some uh pretty big college and they later like sued him to try to get the shit taken off but apparently they signed waivers already or some shit but they're talking to this foreign guy who they just meet they're telling him about america and then all of a sudden they get into this weird rant about not trusting black people and black people being bad and i think at one point one of them says you know you call them niggers and all this other shit and I'm just looking like, wow, like that, that turned like, that's one of those things that they post on Instagram. Like, wow, that turned quickly. Like it, it definitely turned like out of nowhere. It was just like, you haven't have you met any black people. They're fucking horrible. It was like, damn. But he went to, was it Virginia or Atlanta? He went somewhere where he was fucking with some niggas that I wouldn't fuck with. Okay. And they was some long white tee. Reebok classic wearing like hard braid belt wearing niggas like they was tough and they was telling him how to wear his jeans they was telling him to sag his pants and wondering if he had some pussy and wondering if he needed some rubbers and like like black shit like white people never came up like even though we probably should and would be well warranted to be telling people that come over here like hey um hey uh, watch them white motherfuckers They're known to take your shit And call it theirs And then kill you Or You know Don't trust their deals They don't usually work out Definitely don't trust their travel agency Because they dump motherfuckers off 
It's just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how. And then like to hear all these people, like, I, I wonder what Common has to say now. Cause you know, Common was all about, you know, greeting the people with love after he won his Grammy, you know, which we all know was given was basically, if you win a Grammy, it's given to you by white people and maybe Quincy Jones. Like, maybe Quincy Jones has something to do with the Grammy still. Like, his opinion counts as an artist or as, like, a, a, a fucking icon in the industry and the art of composition and production of music. But on the whole, it's a, it's a bunch of, like, whites and Jews, right? We love Jews. Just <laughs> I'm going to work on getting the sound by saying that. We love Jews. We, we love Jews. We love Jews. I didn't say anything bad about any people with the last name. Goldsmith or Stein. We love Jews. But um with the exception of them, like those are who give you Grammys. And you know, Common got his Grammy and then all the Eric Garner and the um the Michael Brown shit happened and he got to going on the on these black stations talking about how, you know, we should, you know, accept white people with love and accept them with love. I'm all about the love. But at some point, you got to be getting love back. And we're not getting a lot of love back. Like, of course, of course, you're going to get, like, your freedom riders. And I don't I don't mean freedom riders, like the fucking movie with Ben Affleck's wife. Freedom riders, like the people that rode with Mega Evers in Alabama and shit. Um, of course, you're going to get those people. And those people are awesome. Those people are great. Those people are also oftentimes very Jewish. We love Jews. But um, like on a whole, like that's a very small percentage of, you know, Caucasian people, white people. Like those are the people that help start the NAACP. If you listen to the last podcast, like that small percentage of white people. Yes. There is a small amount of white people or this percentage or or maybe it's opposite. Maybe the large percentage of white people are awesome and there's a small percentage of assholes. However you want to chop it up, there's more assholes over there than there are over here. Okay, there's way more white people that are violent towards black people than there are black people that are consciously waking up in the morning. All they think about is hating black people. There's never been a black Ku Klux Klan ever. And you can't make it seem like we've never had a reason to have one. Like the closest thing ever you could complain, you could compare to a black Ku Klux Klan are the Black Panthers. And they put free lunch in Chicago schools. They're basically they're basically responsible for free lunch and free breakfast programs all over the country. So that what has the KKK done? Besides shut down Mount Greenwood. And like small rural hick towns across the country. Come on now, let's be serious. Um, next on my on my deep shit, it's not really deep. Um, I, I watched a real cool video, uh, a real cool interview with um, Blaze. What's his first name? I can't remember his is his first name, but um, Blaze. The guy from the U, <coughs> if you're from Chicago if, and you watch WCIU, Channel 26, the U, the guy that does, like, the community events in between, like, all that stuff, like, he did an interview 
with um, a friend of mine's husband's father. This guy, this girl I went to high school with, her father is an ex-police officer. He just did a interview with blank blank blaze. I can't remember his name. It really sucks. The guy from, but the guy from the U, the black guy. Um, his name is John Constanata, and apparently he is an ex police officer, ex Chicago police officer of 32 years. Only reason he quit his job is because they would stop giving him a raise. And basically they asked him to stop doing his job, which apparently is something they do for police officers. Um, I'm sure there's some that can't wait for it. You know, we've all seen the wire and those two old guys couldn't wait to get their fucking pension. One guy fell down the stairs. The other guy ended up not doing it and stayed on the force a little longer. And I think he died before the series was over. But uh, Mr. Constantinator had some really good information some stuff that I guess we wouldn't necessarily think was obvious. Um, I, I know there was there were definitely some points in the interview where I was like, uh, that makes total fucking sense. I didn't know why. I don't know why the city wouldn't just do that shit. Um, and I, I, I really wish I could get him on the podcast, like talk to him one on one to know. I mean, I, if he would talk to me one on one. Like there's there's no there's no point in talking to somebody one on one if they're just going to give you the same conversation they would give to like a newspaper. Like if I talk to him one on one, I want to have a couple cervezas. I want him to like really tell me like some shit, you know, or tell us because anything he tells me, I'll obviously share with y'all. But like I want to know like some stories of like egregious just like over just just like. I, OK, so I'll just tell you some of the stuff he was talking about. So, first off, like I said, he was a police officer for 32 years, um, believes in a lot of police and community involvement. Um, something he said was about ethnically, um, the note I have is ethnically specific cops in neighborhoods. So, he made this comment about having, like, say you have a officer who is, uh, who is Pakistani and they speak Hindi or yeah, they speak Hindi because Hindu is a religion. So they speak Hindi. They don't get stationed on Devon. And if you know about Devon, Devon, I, I used to call it little Baghdad. I used to record in a studio up there, but it is very, very like, it's not very common. Everybody on Devon wears traditional Indian slash Pakistani Middle Eastern garb. <laughs> the in India is not the Middle East, but you understand it's a high Muslim population over there. Regardless of where you're from, they all it, there's it's a high population of brown people up there. Um, but if you are a police officer and you come from that area, it's not guaranteed that you're going to work in that area. Just like if you are a Mexican police officer, that doesn't mean you're gonna get put in Pilsen. You may very well get put in fucking Oak Lawn or not Oak Lawn, but like far south side or, you know, Hyde Park or some shit where you being a Mexican or Latino man does nothing for you. You know, if you show up to a hostile situation and you can come into it, mira, 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 that could change the whole shit. 
Like, just like if you're a black cop, just like if you're, if I'm sitting, you know, if, if I'm with some knuckleheads and we over in Hyde Park or we on 79th and Ashland or we on 87th and, and, and Kedzie or we on Madison and Pulaski, if a black cop pulls up next to us and says, hey, what y'all on? What the fuck is up out here? Y'all on some bullshit? What's up? We will respond to that way better than a white cop who's going to pull up halfway on the curb, call back up, turn the lights on, get out of the car with his hand on his gun, like all this other shit that's, that's extra. Like we're not sitting out there with guns. We're sitting out there with, with blunts and bags of weed. Like we're chilling. And I'm not saying we as myself personally, because I don't really kick it on the corner like that no more. But I'm saying we as in young Young people. I don't even want to specifically put it to black people. Young people. We're not doing anything that warrants you walking up with a gun. Anything that if you're an authority figure, like we already have. Whether it's appropriate or whether it's it's whether this is the best word to describe it as, but we already have a caution or a certain amount of. I don't I don't want to say fear. But we already feel some type of way about the police. So we don't need you walking up reinforcing that. We know y'all like to pull out y'all guns because y'all got them. We know that, you know, you're looking for anything we say to jump on us or put us on the wall and search us or invade our fucking physical space. We already know that. Just come at us on the up and up, homie, please. Because everything else you're doing otherwise is really just agitating the situation. So they don't look at a list of cops and say, okay, we're going to put Jackson, Johnson, and Smith in the hood. And we're going to put Gutierrez and Rodriguez and Lopez. We're going to put them with them. And then we'll let... uh, Zikowski and Scott and Fitzpatrick handle Bridgeport. They don't do that. They just put cops where they need them. And that brings me to the next point. Apparently, we need a bunch of fucking cops. Apparently, in the last three years, because of a labor shortage, we've been down. The last two years, we've lost 2,500 cops. To, you know, retiring or quitting or whatever. And that's for the last two years. And supposedly we're budgeted to have like 13,000 cops and we may only have nine. And if you live in Chicago and you know summertime is coming, you know where all those police are going to be, don't you? Down fucking town. That's where they're going to be. All the police on bikes, on horses, on segways, on foot, in patrol cars, in the SUVs, they're all going to be downtown protecting the money. There's not going to be anywhere where the police are really needed. There's not going to be any police in Inglewood. Very few. There's not going to be police in in Pilsen. There's not going to be police 
on uh, 47th and Western. There's not going to be police over East and South Shore. They're all going to be downtown protecting the money and protecting the image of the city. Which is weird because they don't like, okay, so they protect all this stuff downtown because that's where all the money is. That's where all the shopping is. That's where our, where our big attraction is. That's where all the famous people are when they come and visit us in town. That's where they shoot most of the movies downtown and, and, and uh, on the north side. Um, so they protect all of that, but they, but they are very hellacious in the way they, they broadcast and report the news in Inglewood. And the news in these quote unquote violent areas in Chicago, but they're not doing anything to fix it. Like, I really wonder if they're getting if the city is getting money or or help or some kind of some kind of something based on the violence to help the violence in Inglewood. And we're reappropriating that money for like other shit downtown. Like we're obviously doing that because we're getting we're getting we're getting more attention nationally as being like this this violent place, this, you know, Chirac or whatever these motherfuckers are talking about. Yet the only thing we're focused on is like like the people that are worried about Chirac and are worried about Inglewood and worried about these violent parts of Chicago, they're very rarely visiting those places. Like you get people that come in town to go shopping on Michigan Avenue and they're wondering, Oh my God, is it violent down here? Like, is this in Chicago? Is it is, is like this? Is it Chirac down here? Like is, is, are we in Chirac on, on Orleans and state Orleans? Do they run the same way? I don't know. On on okay, I got one. Oh, are we are we in Chirac on State and Rush? On 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 um on fucking you know, Rush and Delaware is this Chirac? State and Congress is this Chirac? I'm on I'm on you know I'm on fucking I'm on 18th I'm on six South and I'm wondering if I'm on the South Side. This isn't the South Side. Pilsen isn't the South Side. Technically. I mean, I, I guess Hyde Park is Southside, but I mean, there's a lot of niggas on 92nd. There's a lot of people on 83rd that would say that's Southside. You, you're not South enough. I know for sure the South Loop is not Southside. Training. A lot of these cops don't get proper training. Number one. And he talked about this, and I guess this is something that a lot of people, uh, this is not number one, obviously. I I just like jumping off. Number one, that's just like the way I get pumped up to say stuff. Um, cops are never, cops aren't trained to, cops, cops are trained to shoot to kill. The thought or the myth that a cop should be expected to like shoot you in your leg or shoot you in your shoulder to disarm you. None of that shit flies. Okay. Number one, number one, like I said earlier, we're short to 2,500 cops for the last two years. So 5,000 cops. We're about short 5,000 cops. Okay. So we're not training a lot of nobody. Okay. It ain't a lot of training going on because it ain't a lot of people that want to be a cop. The ones that are trained to be a cop, we got to train them fast because we got to get them out there. So they are trained to shoot to kill because that is the easiest thing to do. 
it's not easy to teach somebody to shoot somebody in the arm or shoot somebody in the leg. Smaller, you got to aim more, takes more time, way easier to shoot center mass. If you don't know what center mass is, I'm pretty sure center mass is between like your chin from your chin to your navel and from shoulder to shoulder. All that meat up in there where the vital organs are, where you can get a good bullet in there to bounce around and do some damage or maybe a big bullet to go right through. Maybe you get a hollow point, get in there and explode. That's where you want it. Center mass. And that's where police officers are trained to shoot. They're not trained. If, if they pull a gun, stop what you're doing and lay on the ground if they let you. Because that gun is not going to, sub, it's not, you're not supposed to walk away from that gun. And it's almost easier if you die for like paperwork and like bureaucratic shit. Because if you survive, they got to get a story. He gets suspended. They want to hear what really happened. You get a spin to this and to that, to that. If you die, they just got to fill out a report about what happened and they can say you did whatever. But they're not trained to put you down or to, well, no, that's exactly what they're trained to do. Put you down. That's not, that's not the phrase you think it is. That doesn't mean get you on the ground so that you're not, uh, so that you're like incapacitated, incapacitated. And can't hurt anybody anymore. That means kill you. They're not trained to do that. And there's very little training on how to deal with people or how to deal with hostile situations. Very little training on how to come into a a bad situation and calm everybody down. They're already got the, ma'am, I'm going to need you to calm down. Ma'am. Like, if you look at that, that, um, that thing I posted on my uh, Facebook page with those girls in um, uh, in Cincinnati, there was very little talking there before shit just got real, real. And they didn't have to pull their guns necessarily because they were all girls. Thank God. They just had to get real, you know, physical with them. But if those were, if those were three grown men, somebody probably would have got shot. I'm just saying, and that's real shit. And like I said, they shoot to kill. But there's very little training on how to come in and defuse the situation. They, they're like I said, like I've said before, there are these awkward, these socially awkward people who become police officers to overcompensate for power that they didn't have, power and stature that they didn't have when they were younger. They become cops and they take that shit out on everybody, but they still haven't received any training, any life lessons on how to be real people, on how to be honest and how to be uh, sympathetic. And how to be forgiving in some kind of way. Just hard, harsh people. Um, my last point on this, and again, uh, I was really impressed with the conversation that he had. Um, I'd like I would really like to get him on the podcast and talk to him myself um, to see if he'd give me some insight on some some real subjects or some other things. But um, and some other things, but um, body cams, body cams are voluntary. Let me explain why that matters. 
So if you don't know what a body cam is, first off, a body cam, short for body camera, obviously, is something that police officers will wear on all at all times. <clears throat> It'll be approximately like on their shoulder, collarbone kind of area. Um, and it will give a, it, it'll take, it'll record interactions and police stops um, uninterrupted all day. Um, this would be a tactic to deter, um, n not necessarily to deter police violence, but to give a more accurate account of situations and what happens in an occurrence. Now, the thing about those body cameras is that they're absolutely and totally bot they're voluntary. So if I'm a, if I'm a cop, if I'm a cop, you know, Rojo, Officer Rojo, I'll take a fucking body camera. I don't give a fuck because I'm not doing shit. I'm only jacking niggas up that deserve to get jacked up. But that's not always the case with if I'm a dirty cop, I'm not volunteering for that shit. I don't want one. They're not mandatory for certain cops. And that's what they need to be done. That's what needs to be done. If you're a police officer that has a history of complaints if you're a, a police officer who, you know, I don't know if people really switch their partners a lot. It could be like one of those crash situations where people be officers are afraid to switch uh, switch partners because they'll be ostracized by their next partner or they'll be looked at some type of way. But um, they don't they don't they they aren't given to problem officers. They aren't given to repeat offenders. And that needs to be done. Um, that I feel like that's the whole fucking point of it, right? Like to give them to the ones that have actually obviously had issues with people. Um, I don't know, but I mean, again, we get these imported, these imported, um, superintendents. Like there hasn't been a superintendent that was a Chicago police officer in a very, very, very long time. And Mr. Constantator had an issue with that too. Um, but I'd love to talk to him one-on-one. -on -one. I'd love to have a conversation. I was really interested and really uh, entertained and educated by the interview. It was awesome. I thought it was cool. So, yeah, uh, thanks for whoever posted that on my page. I think I saw it on Hector's page. Um, Shouts out to Andrea. Um, whatever. She's a big fan of the Rojo show. She's been listening and giving me some notes that I've written down and ripped up. Okay, so I'm done with all the serious shit now. Let me uh hold on, let me get a little drinky drink. I think I put too much lime juice in there. Mas Tangeray and uh that's lime juice. Chase it with some water. I don't know if that's really considered chasing, but that's what I just did. Um Orange is the New Black is on. Is everybody watching Orange is the New Black? Yeah. Um, I I saw somebody post a, a something about Orange is the New Black. Um, somebody that was on the moon. Somebody on Facebook that I followed that was on the moon. Talking about Orange is the New Black. Celebrating body image. And... <laughs> uh, yes and no. Okay? Yes and no. Okay, so first off... Once that Lena Dunham chick lowered the bar 
for naked women on television. Anybody can be naked on television now. Okay? If you don't know who Lena Dunham is, she wrote and create. she's the writer-creator of the show Girls on HBO. And she is naked in that show every time she gets a chance. I only watched the first season. I heard bad stories about the second and third. And then I heard some story about her molesting her sister or some weird shit. I don't know. But ever since then, I've kind of stayed away from her. But after she was naked on TV, anybody can be naked on TV. And for all the for all the people they showing, you know who they haven't shown? They haven't shown Lord Prepon. Okay, and if you look in certain scenes, they go to great lengths not to show her middle. And you know what the middle is. The middle is the area right above your hips to below your belly button. And in some cases, if you have big boobs, it might be like at the bottom of your boobs. Like if your boobs sit on your stomach, kind of like not in a bad way, like not in like a droopy way. Like if they just big and they just, you know, they just sit, you know. They kind of sit on the top of your stomach. If your stomach is super big, like in that area, like you, but they, uh, they do all kind of tricks and like library books will be there and like positioning like the prison bars right there. And they go to great lengths not to show her stomach. So please don't buy so much into this trying to make a orange is the new black, trying to make some statement for women's body images. Because there ain't a real fat, there's not a real fat girl on that show. Like, I mean, I guess, I guess the two, like the two black girls might be considered fat. Like the girl, the one girl with the Afro puffs and the girl, the dark, the dark skinned girl who was like V's daughter or whatever. The one who's like always overacting. Damn girl, how you going to be doing this? Only thing I gotta do to keep her from drinking is drinking all day. Whoever, I guess they could be considered fat, but like they're not. Like number one, they just started making money, so all of them is uh, doing some kind of boot camp. Okay, some kind of boot camp workout with some swole gay nigga, um, uh, which is not bad. I mean, we all need to work out, right? Um, but they're. They, I, I rarely, I very, very, very rarely see like a quote unquote plus size model or a quote unquote like plus size actor that is really, really fat. Like the chick that's in, uh, what's the chick from the chick from Bridesmaids? Uh, McCarthy, Melissa McCarthy. She's pretty, she's pretty big. Um, but she's going to slim down at some point. I mean, she's pretty big. Uh, Jonah Hill is pretty big, but those are two people and Jonah Hill slims down every other role. So that's not, that's not even honest. Like there's nobody like I'm on Instagram and there's this chick who claims to be like this, you know, plus size model and, you know, body shape activist and don't be afraid to show your shape ladies and i'm looking at these women and listen um eight out of ten men would marry these brides off site all day nigga as like i've never seen like a real like 280 pound five foot six model and that is plus size. 
I've never seen a 5'11", 320-pound, plus-size model, body shape activist. Like, there are all these women that are, like, right on the cusp of being in shape, but would rather, like, not put in that extra little bit of work to get it off and would rather just make sure people, like, would rather just make people accept it the way they are. And it's fine. Like, if people are accepting it, there's a lot of people who are probably checking for you, but you probably are, like, throwing them shade or not taking them serious because you're on this whole other, you on the moon. You on the moon. There was this girl I worked with. I've, I've worked with a lot of women. In my lifetime, which has been a, a gift and a curse, <laughs> a gift and a curse. But I was working with this chick. Listen, she was very attractive, is very attractive, very pretty eyes, pretty face, nice body. I don't want to get too in depth with what she, what all she looks like. Very attractive, huge boobs, and. A little bit, maybe a little bit of a tummy, but like nothing that like you would point nothing. She like if she was in a room of nor if she was in a, a random grouping of people and 10 people in that room were asked to pick out someone fat, she would never be that person or like pick out somebody overweight. She would never be that person. Like, she got really mad at me once because I made, like, I said something about, like, Adele being fat or Adele being overweight or Adele losing weight or something. And this was, like, around her first album. And listen, Adele was a little over. She was a big girl. And I guess, like, this girl, like, associated herself with Adele in some way as far as, like, you know, women overcoming these stereotypes that men sent forward on body images and what is beautiful, okay? I am not conforming and fitting into your box, male chauvinist pig. I am beautiful too. And it's like, not even, Adele isn't even that fat. So like both of y'all need to shit the fuck down and shit the fuck up. Please. Cause like, you're just making issues out of nothing. Like, like that's like, if I was to be like, oh my God, I've been so discriminated against in my life. Have I been discriminated against on some shit? Most definitely. Am I the worst off? Absolutely not. Am I, have I been, and I don't want to get extreme as like, and, and say some shit like, have I had crosses burned on my lawn? No, I haven't had crosses burned on my lawn. Have I been given a raw deal and been treated differently than white people, obviously in my face? Yes. And by some pretty close friends in some cases. But it's, it's, it's not the same. Like I'm not running around talking about like I've been, I'm not running around saying, you know, oh my God, I've been, you know, I've been such a victim of racism. Like I've, I've had my share. I've had a little bit more than some other people, but I've also had some pretty good examples of how people can be all over the world and all over the world. And I guess in America, I mean. I don't know, white people are kind of just, they, they always have a, there's always a little, a percentage that shit could go bad, but 
for the most part, like internationally, it's just like understandings or like misunderstandings about shit culturally. But again, man, like these, I, I've never, I, I, you can't like feel like a little bit away about something and then just blow it up into this whole thing. Like, I, I, I just want, I just want like a real, like I don't know, I've never tried. I, 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 could I try to? I've never, I've never dated a a, a heavy woman, a, a a big girl. I've never dated a, a big girl before. Um, I don't think I could because. I one of my pet peeves on Facebook is like hearing fat people make like post stuff about food. Like and again, there's if you fat, that's fine. That's your that's your decision. I'm not like fat shaming here, I don't think. I mean, if you do I'm into everybody doing what you want, okay? You need to understand that what you're doing could be that is detrimental to your life and to your health, but if that's what you want to do, that's fine. And a word currently, you know, commonly associated with people that look like you is fat. So I'm just using a word that is colloquially accepted and understood. I'm not singling you out. That's just what you've become of yourself. You become fat from your interests and your habits as far as taking care of yourself and eating. So <coughs> I hate when I see a fat person on Instagram or Facebook talking about like some fat ass food. Like, please don't tell me about nothing that comes with extra cheese and sour cream that I I don't want to hear about you killing yourself. That's like me saying, yeah, about to go get me some of this burn up pussy. About to go stick my dick in a in a fucking jackknife. I'm just going to go down and just look for the bitch with strawberry on her breath. And I'm just going to give her what I got. You wouldn't want to hear me say that, would you? You'd, you'd feel some type of way, right? You'd be like, hey, don't do that. You could be hurting yourself. That's how I feel every time I hear about you going to sharks. Every time I hear about you going to Olive Garden, okay? Because that endless salad is bullshit. All that iceberg lettuce. I don't know. I'm just saying. I rarely see these plus size models who are like genuinely plus size. That's all I'm saying. Um. Cool. Uh, some quick interesting stuff. Um, did anybody hear about the Muslim gymnast? who has been sentenced to death in Egypt because in in the in her quest for winning two world uh two gold medals for Egypt in gymnastics she was showing what is commonly called or what what is I think it's it's spelled A U R A T and if there's anyone out there that knows how to pronounce that better than me, please let me know. But I think it's Aurat. 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 Which is a horrible name for it. Um, the Aurat is described as the area of the body where, uh, where babies are conceived. And if you're familiar 
with um with gymnastics or if you've just ever seen anybody in a leotard you'll know that it is absolutely impossible to perform a good floor routine without showing your orat right like i'm going to try to pull up the um The article about it. Yeah. Fan supporting a gymnast who was shamed for showing her a rot. A rot. I don't know. Her a rot look okay to me. She's all right. All right. <laughs> That's ignorant. Uh, Farah Ann Abdul Hadi. Of Malaysia competes during women's floor exercise routine in the Asian Games in Singapore, June tenth, twenty fifteen. Um, yeah, she's Malaysian, Muslim, and she's been getting like death threats and like all types of wild shit um, from like the president and like the people like over the country. Um, if they can get if she can get, she won two gold medals showing her a rot, and she got put to death. I know women that show they all rot for appetizers, and they don't get put to shit. That's, I mean, that Muslim shit is hardcore, yo. Like, like I, 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 this isn't necessarily the outlet to talk about this, but or not the outlet, but the the segue. But um, a couple months ago. I don't think it was last year, but a couple months ago, there was a attack at, um, it's the Charlie Ebdo, Charlie Ebdo attacks. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So everybody knows Muslims don't play about images of Muhammad. That shit is is written in all of their holy books. You don't do it, okay? You don't you don't produce images of um of Muhammad. Now in this, apparently they produced this fucking. Jay Suisse, Charlie, I don't know. I don't even know what this means. They had a couple covers where they had um, Muhammad on it, on the front of it. Um, he looks goofy. He's crying, which is showing emotion, which we know is probably, which is not manly in their eyes, which probably causes some other shit. Anyway, some motherfuckers went into their office uh, into the office that created the cartoon, killed five people, wounded 11 people because they printed and publicated and, and, and published a picture of Muhammad in their magazine. And they killed these people. A lot of people were taking a lot of different stances on it. Some people were like, listen, I don't give a fuck what you say. Nothing I can do or draw is worth losing a life for. And I totally understand that. I totally agree with him. There are certain people that were saying, hey, 
they were being bullies towards Muslims. They didn't think that they would respond this way. Um, this is a what do they call it? Uh, Islamophobic. This is this is a, 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 a Islamophobic act. Okay, we're we're putting out these negative images of the Muslim uh, the Muslim religion and Muslim people. How do you expect them to react? Uh, and I kind of agree with them too. Um, but my idea is a, a little different. Um, America is based on everybody basically being able to do whatever they want. If you, if you want to, it was based on freedom of religion and freedom from taxation and taxation with representation and all the things we left England for. That's what America was built on. Muslims ain't about that. Muslims are not about that freedom shit. They are very strict about what they do and do not accept. Okay. Our women can't drive. They can't read. Okay. We don't eat this fish. We don't fuck with the pork. Okay. Muslim. We don't, we, we don't produce images of Muhammad. We kill, we kill ourselves to kill others in praise of our God. So the, the highest way to exalt his name, I know, I know a lot of Christian people, my church specifically, the highest way to praise God is to say hallelujah. A word. Maybe you can do it with your hands in the air. Maybe if you do it with your hands in your air really sincerely and start crying, you take it to the next level. Muslims, you take it to the next level by killing yourself and killing somebody else too in the name of in the name of Allah. And that's like the basis of their shit. So to think that you could mock them and them not respond is a very very big mistake. Just because we not willing to die for what we believe in doesn't mean other people aren't willing to die for what they believe in. And I think you need to respect a fucking gangster. That's how I feel. I, I, I respect the shit out of them because I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm, I mean, not for, I mean, I, well, you never know because again, like a lot of these people that are coming up out of ISIS, a lot of these people that are coming up out of ISIS are younger than me. They would be what we in America would consider millennials. So born um, in the 90s, probably probably born after 95. Internet has been here their whole lives. They don't know about books. They don't know about they they know about libraries as a place where they can go and use free Internet, not where you go primarily to use the books. All they know is our response to 9-11 which if you are a Muslim person is very, very, very negative. It's not what the fuck is up. Okay. And they are raised, they are groomed with a hatred for America based on things that we've done. And they believe in, so, so they could be, I mean, they, they could have been the victims of, their, their brothers being killed by drones or their family members being affected by being, you know, directly affected by the attacks on 
um, Afghanistan and the Middle East. So if you put me in that position, I and I that is something I would die for. I would die for my family. I mean, it's it's a very it, so let's say I'm living in Gaza or I'm living in Afghanistan. Well, Gaza is the only place you can really live in Afghanistan. So I'm living in Gaza. My mother goes to the market, which is something that people commonly do there. My mother and sister go to the market. Bradley ass is not. Well, she'll probably go to the market. She probably drive. There's, there's no. They don't drive. She probably just walks with her. So she walks my mother to the market. Known Al Qaeda member is at the market. They've been signaled. Uh, they, they've been okay to um, do a drone attack on that market to kill that um, member of Al Qaeda. And this may sound extreme, but I sw- I'm, I'm almost positive this is a very common occurrence. I'm going to tell this story. I'm going to finish this up and I'm going to get the fuck out of here because I don't want the podcast to go too long. Holla. So they sent a drone attack to the, to, the, um, to the market. Killed my mother and sister. I'm left at home with James. Well, in, in, in Arabic, he would be Hames. So it would be, it would be Hared and Hames. So it's me and him. They didn't kill my mother and my sister. I am pissed. I am the I am the prime target for ISIS. Because there's nothing I want to do more as a Muslim man, formerly a Muslim man, very content in his life with his mother and his father and his sister. I probably got a little a little um, Muslim honey I'm macking down. We're walking uh, in the sand, holding hands. Can we hold hands? I don't know if we can hold hands. We definitely can't go to the movies, but um, we're happy. And all of a sudden, my fucking world is crushed because my mother and sister have been killed by this this known nuisance worldwide. This bully America. All I have now, uh, it, it's already a a religious heavy country where, you know, whereas now you go into a room, if you go into a bar up north. One in 10 people is an atheist. That is unheard of in, in Muslim countries, okay? So there's already a level of commitment and a level of sovereignty and a level of um, devotion to my God. But now that my sister and my mother are gone, I, I am hungry for more. I have that on top of revenge and anger for my family. These are the type of people that we are agitating. These are the people that we are making cartoons about. These are the people that we are like poking fun at. And they would like nothing more than to praise their God, kill us, and be back with their family. And this is who we're making these little bullshit cartoons about. We need to leave these people alone. We need to be cool. I would love to have a Muslim friend. Just cause, just cause I know that if anybody is, if I get this guy to be my buddy, he's going to ride for real. He'll die for me. <laughs> we'll die in this motherfucker. <sighs> I don't know. That's really all I got for y'all today. How long is that? Uh, it's about an hour. Um, it's three 33. I'm wrapping this up. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead, throw this online. Um, we dipped a little bit last last week, y'all. Um, we dipped. 
if you dig the podcast, please tell somebody else, okay? Because they're only going to get better, okay? The first two were good. The third one was was better, but it was a little short. I think this one was better than those, and the next one is going to be better than this one. So if you're digging it, tell somebody else that you think will dig it. Um, only tell cool people, though. Um, no squares shall enter in this circle of winners. Um, but that's it for me. Um, I've had a great time. Hope you've had a great time. Um, this is Saturday. I'll probably do another one like Monday or Tuesday. Probably Tuesday, right? Um, probably Tuesday. Till then, be good. Be good to people. I'm out of here.